What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the LA Soccer Hub Show. My name is Giro Garcia. Week 12 of the MLS is underway. A lot going on here this past week, man. So much going on. We also had the CCL, LAFC are heading to the CONCACAF Champions League final versus Leon. Those dates have already been set. May 31st in Leon, Mexico. June 4th at BMO Stadium at, in, in Los Angeles. It's going to be exciting. So we got a lot to get into. And once again, we got my man, Justin Ruderman. Justin, how you doing, brother? Doing well, man. Uh, out here in the Bay, came out for the game. But yeah, first loss of the MLS season for LAFC. So, you know, maybe a little bit to criticize for the first time. Yeah. Oh, I should also mention we got the Lakers as well. If you guys can, if you guys are watching, we got the Lakers playing tonight as well. They're up 2-1 against the Warriors. I got them Lakers in six, so we're hoping that goes well. It'll be Warriors in seven. but Justin's, uh, of course, is a Warriors fan. It's a shame. If I would have known that before this, I probably wouldn't wouldn't have been friends with them. But look, hey, (sighs) he's grandfathered in. (laughs) Oh, man. It's all right. It's all right. I was watching. You know know what's interesting? I was watching, um, what was it, game, game three or game two? I forgot which game I was watching. I was at a bar. I was watching the game. It was just me, and it's just that they had the game on. And I'm watching the game. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'm, like, obviously going for the Lakers. And then I just hear someone clapping next to me, and this this lady. And as soon as, like, the Warriors did something, I think Clay hit a shot, Stephen Curry hit a shot, and she starts clapping. I think she had just sat down. And I look over, and I'm like, no way I'm sitting next to a Warriors fan. And she wasn't a Warriors fan. She was just happy for the game. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't see you wearing the Lakers jersey because it just like killed like, you know, like killed my vibe. I was like, uh, no way. No way a Warriors fan just sat next to me. And I think uh, it was game two. It was, it was a game that the Warriors won. But I was like, oh, my God. It was one of those things when you sit next to the opposing fan, you're just like, oh, I don't want to sit next to this person. I don't know if you've ever had that type of experience. I had, I mean, normally I'm okay with it, but it's just in the environments. Like when you're in LA, you don't expect that, right? Like I went to UCLA and I remember one time we were in, you know, NCAA tournament. It was sweet 16. I was at a UCLA bar with a bunch, you know, out on UCLA's campus, basically with a bunch of UCLA people. And there was just one opposing fan from, from the opposite team that was just like super loud in the middle of the crowd for no reason. Like, why are you there? Yeah. <laughs> no, she was just excited. It, it was just one of those things that I'm like, oh my God. I, those, those things, it just, it just, for whatever reason, it just, it just brought back in. But yeah, man, there's so much going on in sports. You know, th- I think this is probably one of the best times of sports. You got baseball, basketball, obviously, you got the footy going on here and all, all over the world. But let, let's, let's talk about this, this weekend's game because you were at the LAFC versus San Jose at Levi Stadium where the 49ers play. Um, I got to watch it. It looked exciting. Obviously, it didn't fill up. All, it looked like all the lower section filled up. Um, I haven't been to that stadium, and I know they play the Mexican national team has played a few games up there. Um, talk to me about the stadium. How is the atmosphere? Because I, I did see a couple people's stories. It did look like it was raining. It was cloudy. And I think you're still currently up in the Bay. So, so talk to me about the whole atmosphere and obviously the game. Yeah, well, first of all, only those bottom two bowls were for sale. So n- no other seats were for sale. So they they sold pretty much, I think, what was for sale. 45, 000, over 45,000 was the announced attendance. Um, it, it was pretty full, as you say, except, of course, those 3252 put in the absolute rafters in the top corner in the 400s. <laughs> um, 
But uh, but yeah, no, it was raining leading up to the game the morning of even, you know, in the afternoon, early afternoon, um, it continued to drizzle. So the pregame activities, the early fan fests and things were a little bit dampered by that rain. But by t- kickoff time, uh, the weather came around and it was no longer raining. So it was pretty good. Um, but but yeah, it, it, people flowed in kind of as that rain kind of started to stop right right as kickoff kind of. Uh, came on um, but it was a great atmosphere obviously LFC 3252 brought a, a thousand plus people from LA um, not counting obviously the, the rest who bought on resale and then San Jose showed up right at 4 30 kickoff I think did a lot for the Bay Area it allowed um, a lot of kids to come out and uh, it, it was just a really good atmosphere I think from both sides um, and, and made for a very good game on the pitch because these two teams have been performing well uh, two coaches that have been showing uh, tactical flexibility, tactical awareness, and it showed again on the pitch. Yeah, and I, I would say on top of it too, just on TV, the pitch looked amazing. It looked nice. Um, and I don't know sometimes at San Jose, what, what I think is PayPal Park or whatever, PayPal something stadium, whatever they play mm-hmm. at. PayPal Park. The, 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 the field tends to be a little bit more slippery. Um, every time I see some, any, any teams play there, and obviously I, I like – that you're having kind of like these one-offs, right, at, at these stadiums, right? We we're supposed to have it here at the Rose Bowl, right, for the traffic. It didn't have. It hasn't. It's been moved over to July fourth. But I'm liking a little, a little bit of these one-offs because you know you you get to put it at a bigger venue. Obviously, MLS. Most of the MLS stadiums can only house maybe thirty thousand, or depending, thirty thousand max. You know, the bank I think is like twenty two, twenty three. So if you could bring more people in, in, in a sense, lower the price, the ticket ticket price is a little lower and it allows, I'm assuming allows more people to go to the game, but also go to a venue that people are familiar, right? In the Bay, people are familiar with the 49 Stadium. And the Bay is a lot closer, or the, the I mean, well, is the Bay a lot closer than San Jose? I think that's like an hour and a half, two, an hour, two, hour, two and a half or two hour drive. Maybe you can speak more on that, but maybe the people that like the footy, they can drive down a little south. And they don't got to go all the way to San Jose. And I think having that opportunity allows San Jose to get more fans, but also you still get to see a team like LAFC as Carlos Vela, Buonga, and all these other players at a bigger venue. Give, give me your thoughts on that. Well, as far as the bigger venue, absolutely correct. Uh, it, it draws the f- more fans. It uh, allows the ticket prices to go down a little bit, as you said. And it's for the big game. It's a marquee matchup. They change the the time, make it a little earlier. It's not a 7.30 kick that MLS would normally do, which makes it you know harder for families to get out to. As far as the actual commute, um, you would think that from the outside, right? Because it's San Francisco versus San Jose. But in fact, the stadium is in Santa Clara, which is actually about 10 minutes from the San Jose Earthquake Stadium. So they're really? very, okay. very close. Um, it, it's just the naming. It, so yeah, it, it, that's how the Bay works. San Francisco, they call themselves the San Francisco 49ers, but they do not play in San Francisco. Um, they play in Santa Clara, which is very, very close to San Jose. Okay, I didn't. I didn't realize it was that close uh, to to San Jose, because I've had I dri- I've done that drive from San Francisco to San Jose, and I recall it was like an hour, two hour, two hour, an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, because they don't actually Monday. play in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. look, it, it happens all over the world. Teams name themselves after a city and then end up playing somewhere else. But look, also uh, property up there in the Bay Area is very limited too, depending where you're at. Um, let, let's talk about that. Obviously, I you got the first loss. Um. Uh, look, San Jose is playing good. If it wasn't for that PK at the end, um, I think it was Maldonado that committed it. 
on it, Boba C, if my memory is correct. Um, look, it was bound to happen. This team is rolling. This team is rolling hot. hot. They're rolling hot. They just came off a CCL, uh, a CCL win. I, I didn't think um, I didn't think they played bad. There were there were some players that played a lot better than others. But I mean, with with the tough schedule and what they have, I, I don't think they. I think they're going to be a little upset because giving up a penalty in the last ten minutes. Because they because they were so close away of walking away with, with the draw. But I don't, I don't think this team should be that that mad or disappointed because they got so many more games, and we know at the end of the month how big that schedule. They have a game this week. The and this, this I think is it tomorrow against Monterey for the U.S. Open Cup, and then they play at home this weekend, or they they're playing this weekend. I don't know if it's at home or away, but they're playing this weekend. So it's so many games going on, and then they play next Wednesday, and then they play again at home. So it's a lot, a lot of games. Uh, talk talk us through what LAFC is facing these next two weeks leading up to that CCL final. No, you're absolutely right. Um, just in this month, LAFC have seven games, right? So, home and away, and four, four of them, I believe, are away. Um, so it's very difficult, uh, a run of fixtures. And obviously, LAFC have been in incredible form. They've been able to do this in both competitions, which is not really something we've seen. So a little bit of a lapse, a little bit of fatigue, I think, that did show uh, against San Jose. You know, you kind of excuse it, but... It is something to recognize. Hey, it, it did happen because we've been talking about, well, is this team just invincible? Can they rotate constantly and they can still find performance after performance uh, without seeing any fatigue? Um, I, I think the only player we can say that about is Denny Bowanga because he's played every single game for LAFC. Meanwhile, going to Africa and Gabon and playing a full 90 minutes for them uh, as well. And he looks, you know, fully fit. And he, he mm -hmm. was very, very good for LAFC. Um on Saturday, but the rest of the team, especially that back line, I think we saw the fatigue set in mentally and physically. Um, they were slow to rotate on that first goal, a little bit the same on the second goal. Maldonado shouldn't have made that a challenge on a Bobasi, as you mentioned. So it's it's a good point to just take a step back, recognize, hey, we know that it's not possible to win every single game. Um, mm -hmm. But as you mentioned, the performance wasn't bad. You dominated possession against a very possession-based San Jose team uh, and created more chances, um, more shots, more shots on target. Um, I, I do believe San Jose had the edge on XG, um, probably due to that one Jaimiro Montero missed chance in the first half, which I inexplicable, inexplicable. But uh, but yeah, as you mentioned, a okay performance from LAFC, I think, is how Steve Sherundolo phrased it, and I would agree with that. Yeah, and then look, uh, they know what they're up against, and I think you look with such a tight schedule, and you know the ne this next week we'll, we'll see what the lineup is tomorrow, right? Against against uh, Monterey uh, for the U.S. Open Cup, they're, they got so many so many games going on this month, and I think you know Steve, I think I think in the past he's probably get away with playing more of the players. We'll see who he starts tomorrow, and obviously this week against RSL. Just looked it up to point against RSL. And then they play SKC next Wednesday, and then they play San Jose again the twentieth, um, right at the bank. So at the BML Stadium, excuse me. But there's so many things that going to, that's going to happen. And look, I think right the biggest we know the biggest competition is is, is at the end of the month and the rest, right? I think there's going to come a point that you're going to want to rest these guys, and you're you're going to have to take the L or, or draw or uh, or uh, I don't know a result that you're not that you you you're not accustomed to because we're going to have to see because you're still going to want to you're the good thing is there's still third the the third and the and the and the table 
and say they, they were to drop another game or so, I don't think that's going to really hurt them because of what, what they got going on in the final month. So I think rest is going to be so crucial for players like Buanga, even though he's been playing like a machine. He's been playing every single minute. Uh, Carlos Vela, right? Tillman. You know, some of those players, we'll see if Kellini, if we get Kellini, if Kellini is able, able to be available for, for the final of the CCL. So there's a lot of a lot of intangibles that Sarandolo is very good at and is very is going to have to handle these next couple of games. But it's also with so many different competitions and everything going on, we're going we're gonna to start to see some some players that we're, we're not accustomed to used to seeing playing or starting because just, just of the length of, of the schedule. Um what are, what are some players that obviously have stood out to you that you would like to see get a little bit more 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 minutes? Yeah, I think uh, especially in this Open Cup game, obviously you want to continue to have, you know, a, a contingent of starters so that you ensure that you win that game and continue in a U.S. Open Cup uh, and value every competition you're in, uh, especially a competition which you've never won in the U.S. Open Cup. So uh, I think that you do want to bring some of those. But I would also like to see a couple players like Eric Duenas, who mm -hmm. showed out really, really well in his first MLS start. A player like Nathan Ordaz, who has shown out really, really well for the LAFC 2 side uh, so far this season. LAFC 2 have had a very poor season thus far, but he has been a standout, uh, hasn't gotten minutes for LAFC. Uh, maybe a player like Noah Dolenmeyer, if you're still short on center back depth, right? If you're still without Murillo and uh, Chiellini, then you only have two, two fit center backs. They brought Dolenmeyer on for the one day signing, I believe for the game. Uh, you, maybe you want to bring him again and, and actually give him some minutes this time. I'd like to see those type of players at, at least getting minutes, if not starting, I would like to see Duenas and or as start um, the, the open cup, because I think that you, you start those two, you put some other starters and a couple bench players around him. You still win that game uh, and get those guys some good experience. Yeah, I, I, I'm with I'm with you on Duenas as well because man, he's he's been so exciting to see the youngster what he what he's been able to do, and he's one of those that's come up through the academy, and you're starting to see the fruits of the labor of producing young talent, young local talent, and now to the first team. Uh, I want to go a little bit more in depth, Justin, on the CCL win because look, they they dominated Philly three uh, zero. It was a massive win, and look, anytime LAFC or Philly play, it's always back and forth. It's very tight. Obviously, with uh, I forgot which Philadelphia player got the red card, but once the red card, uh, once once Philly was down a man, I think it was very clear for me and everybody that LAFC was was going to win this game or win, win the second leg of the game at, at BMO Stadium. But I think it's to me it's impressive what they've done and how they're doing it. And just around six months, they're going to two in like six seven months, they're going to two finals. Obviously, they won MLS Cup. Now they're going to the Champions League. And I think it speaks volume, like we I mentioned before, the recruiting and how they're able to bring players, also mature players. And we also, right, we got to speak to Ryan's Hollingshead, and he talked about other things that the team does and intangibles that makes them feel comfortable uh, outside of the players. When you bring in players, you, you make make L.A. feel like they're home, right? I'm paraphrasing. Let's talk about that and, and what we heard from Ryan Hollingshead and what we saw uh, that la last Wednesday against uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, LAFC have done a great job and it helps winning those trophies to bring in these players, right? Because when you are winning the Supporters' Shield and MLS Cup double, it makes a player like Stipe Buke, like Mateusz Bogus say, hey, I can go to LAFC, I can show my talents uh, on a winning team, and I can get that move to Europe, hopefully, uh, that, that big move that they're trying to get later in their careers, right? 
Um, so I think that is absolutely a played a part. As far as the game on Wednesday, um, I think it was just a Steve Shrundle tactical masterclass, honestly, against you know, and I believe those are the two best coaches in MLS at the moment in Steve Shrondolo and Jim Curtin. Um, so to see Steve Shrondolo tactically, you know, outdo Jim Curtin and, and uh, I believe Janet, Jonathan, <clears throat> excuse me, Jonathan Tannenwald of the Philadelphia Inquirer asked Steve that exact question after the game. Um, you know, what do you think that you just outcoached Jim Curtin? And he said, and Steve blew off the question, obviously said, no, I don't believe I did that at all. That's not what this game was about. Um, but the, all, all of us watching the game can say that is what it looked like because Steve continued to stick with a defensive midfield shape of a double pivot that he switched to at halftime in the first leg. It continued to uh, keep LAFC defensively solid while allowing them to play out very well. Uh, and it made it feel like LAFC had no chance of losing that game at any point, really. Um, and this seems to be a system that Steve Trundolo is willing to switch back and forth with because he originally started the San Jose game back with the normal 4-3-3, um, but then at halftime switched again uh, back to the Philadelphia style of the double pivot. So uh, it is something that we're going to see Steve Trundolo switch back and forth with depending on the opponent and depending on the situation in the game. Um, but Steve Trundolo has shown clearly that he knows exactly when that needs to be done. Yeah, he, he does, and he's such a savvy uh, coach. Look, to me, too, like, uh, obviously, in the, the, in the way the fashion, what LAFC is doing just within the last six, seven months, right, when the MLS Cup, the Supporters' Shield, now going to CCL final, they're on the verge of potentially becoming a dynasty, right? If, if, they, ended up, if they ended up winning the, the CCL Cup, right, right? We go one, one game at a time, one cup at a time. But what, what they're doing is so impressive. And even Jim Curran said that LAFC may be maybe one of the best teams in MLS history. And I would have to agree with that. Just with what they're doing, the players are attracting, how they're beating these teams, how they're beating MLS teams, how they beat Philadelphia to get to the CCL final is just impressive. And everything that they're doing, they, I keep saying this, LAFC is the standard when it comes to MLS. And if they're able to win the CCL final, they, they are going to show that they're the best team in North America and now be able to compete with the teams, right, in Champions League and all the teams around the rest of the world and show off, right? It's one game at a time, but they have the opportunity. They're on the verge of getting that. They're two games away from making that, that thing come true. Yeah, there's absolutely no doubt about it. Not only would they become the best team in North America, obviously by winning the CONCACAF Champions League, but I think there's no doubt that if they win that Champions League, they become the best team in MLS history at this moment. I don't think that there is another team that can really compete with this level and consistency that LAFC have been able to maintain thus far over 2022 and 2023. Uh, over two seasons, that's never been seen in MLS uh, through uh, the long period. And if, if LAFC can prove it by winning a CCL, um, is something that only Seattle have done, but they dropped off massively in the league because of that, then it'll prove that MLS is reaching a new level. Yeah, 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 they 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 definitely are. Look, let's let's go just go some things um uh to to finish off here. There's there's a lot of things happening around the league. Uh, we'll just touch on a couple coaches were let go or parted away, however you want to say. It. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because last week we talked about it, um, and we also had other players speak about about current situations. But what are your thoughts? Because uh, I think you tweeted something out. I, I might. I think I read your tweet this morning. Um, you know about coaches getting let go, and that the, there's a little bit more of a standard 
Um, but let, let's talk about that. Two coaches that were just like go today. No, I think that's definitely the case that the standard is getting results now. It's it's starting to become that um, regardless of the situation that you're given as a coach. And we can see that because the two managers sacked today were in, in relatively different situations, I think. Uh, in Chicago with Ezra, Hendri Ezra Hendrickson, excuse me, he it was given a not very good team with an extremely underperforming designated player uh, and he I don't think he can do that much with the team, but he's still sitting at the bottom of the Eastern Conference and results matter. If you aren't going to get results, even if you aren't given a great team, you're going to get sacked. And I think that should be the case any in any league in the world. When you look at Gerhard Struber, well, his the, the results are obviously not coming. The performances maybe are coming a little bit more. I mean, Sean Nealis after the game said that they think that their performances are actually really good, but that the results are just not coming. And I think. Um, when you look at stats that they back it up as well, because Red Bull actually lead the league in open play expected goal differential. So it's they're they're playing well, just not getting results. I also think that obviously with Gerhard Struber, it's um, behind the scenes issues and things that are off the field. And that is why I believe that that's probably the best decision for Red Bull is to just have a clean slate with a new coach and uh, who wasn't involved with all of those issues. Um, because, but I don't think that with Gerhard Struber, it was necessarily a tactical issue. Um, as we said, he, they're playing well. It's just that the results weren't coming. But generally, even but generally in Europe, when that happens, right, even when a team is playing well and results aren't coming, that manager gets let go because results are so important because there's a threat of relegation. When you're at the bottom of the league, it doesn't matter if you're playing well, if you're going to get relegated. Yeah, no, that, that, you make a great point. I think one thing, too, I think one thing that stood out, too, was here was Chicharito. Um, he said he wanted it was time they, they needed a change. They, look, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he had mentioned something about they needed to change what's on the training pitch. He's also mentioned about players not wanting to step up to the podium and talk to the press conference. That to me signals once it's out there, once a player says that, that locker room is divided. And that, that to me is just confirmation. I, I think we all assumed, but that to me was just co confirmation of what, what I had mentioned last week about Greg Vanny, um, and also this week. Uh, about what's going on over there with with, with the galaxy and, and everything there, because you you typically don't really hear the players speak on that or, or, or talk about that unless it's hit that hit that boiling point. And I think them losing to Colorado, who's also at the bottom of the table, was was that was that tipping point. And I think to me, I know you didn't have Greg Va Greg Vanny on your list, but it's been clear to me, Greg Vanny to me, he has you you mentioned about the other coaches who didn't have the talent. Well, he's had all the talent. He was able to recruit all these players and bring these players in. He just hasn't been able to do it. And that, to me, why it's why I think the Galaxy – it's looking like the Galaxy may have to move on from Greg Vanny. Um, because, look, it, it, when you have your star players say that, that, to me, tells me he does not buy into what Greg Vanny is preaching. He's over it. And none of those players are hanging out. Now, I can promise you this, that none of these players, I have no intel, but none of these players are hanging out with each other outside the pitch. And that happens when you're not, when you're losing. And that happens when you don't believe in what the coach is preaching. And that happens with all the other chaos that's going on with them there. So now I ask you, have, has your thoughts changed of what, since what came out the, the, this past week? My thoughts haven't changed. I think that, what I said last week was is the same thing. Well, first of all, 
he wasn't on he wasn't on my top five list of managers that I think were in jeopardy of losing their job. But also Ezra Hendrickson wasn't on my top five list of coaches that I thought was in jeopardy of losing their job. So first of all, I can be wrong, but also, <laughs> uh, but but also that list gotta uh, gotta update that list. Gotta update. No, but that also, list. but also, I think it, it matters about the the club culture within because I thought that Ezra Hendrickson wasn't. In the, but, but as I said last week, I think that it's there's there there were ten managers at actual risk, and so I would have mm-hmm. put Vanny and Ezra Hendrickson in those. But I think that. In Hendrickson's case, I thought he was less likely because he wasn't given a great team to start with. With Vanny's case, I think he's less likely to actually get sacked because the FO seems to back him, right? And regardless of these, you know, protests and all these type of things, that doesn't really seem to be affecting the decision making of the front office or Greg Vanny. Um, so that that seems to be the case for me. And obviously, everything coming from Chris Klein is well. I will resign at the end of the season if this doesn't happen, at the end of the season if this doesn't happen, right? It's not about things happening right now. And so that's why I don't think that it's necessarily going to happen soon. That doesn't mean that I don't think his, he it should be in the hot seat because he absolutely should be. Yeah, no, the big thing to me is once your star player comes out and voices opinion, it's, 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 to me, it's a done Oh, you're deal. right. It, no, it, you're it, right it, there. I don't, I'm not saying he's going to get sacked or let go right this next game, but that, to me just signals everything that that had been leading up to because of what they what they've done and how they they overcome and I just to me it's unfortunate because you have a a, a player Chicharito who's trying to get back to the to the Mexican national and trying to do but I think a player like Chicharito a player like Ricky Push this season does them no good and they're they're wasting a year but look that that's a case for another thing but I think to me Greg Vanny is on the hot seat and you got to see what, what and if it and look, I, I'm not for someone losing their job or, or that's not what, what I'm going for. But I think what, what, what you alluded to your tweet this year or uh, earlier today is there's more there's more um, urgency on wanting to get results in MLS. And we haven't seen it these last couple of years. And I think that's what I'm, I'm starting. I, 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 I like that, that there's more urgency to want to win now. Right. If, if the coach is given proper time, right? You look, say the coach gets sacked within a year. Okay. Well, he wasn't able to really have this imprint. But if a coach has three years, he maybe even two years. And if you have a talented team, look what Sharondolo did in a year, in a year, in a year. And that is impressive. That to me tells me, look, yeah, you got it. Look, some people may say he had talented players. Yeah. So do a lot of other players. So, so do a lot of other coaches have talented players. But if you not if you can't put the pieces together or figure out that, that to me that's skill in itself yeah it's skill to recruit players and get those players but was, there's also another skill to be the head coach and bring it all together and to win but not just win dominate and do what Steve Shonel has done and to me that's why he, he to me he should have been coach of the year last year obviously that didn't happen but this year it's very clear to me he is going to be the coach and I think people sometimes undermine a coach having talented players. I think that's even more of, I think to me, that's even more pressure because you're expected a lot more. You're expected to get these results. You're expected to go to the championship. That's even more pressure than just being a good coach with just okay players, you know? So, and I just, and I just, I just wanted to speak on that because I was like, I was like, when I saw that today on Twitter, I was like, Oh, this is interesting. I didn't expect so many, you know, like this trend to start getting, you know, getting their, the urgency. And, and I like that there, there's urgency of wanting to be a club that wants to win and succeed. 
No, I, th- I think it's a great point you bring up. Um, well, obviously the urgency I already tweeted about, but uh, the the pressure of having good players and the expectation to win and the lack of respect when that winning does come, I think is apparent throughout football. I mean, you look at Pep Guardiola, I think, mm-hmm. is the greatest manager of all time, but the constant argument against him is, well, he spends a lot of money, he buys the best players in the world, and sure, he does, but those are the only players that can play his type of football, and he continues to win constantly with those players so it's he that that's the same type of thing uh, to a lesser extent obviously with Steve Shrundalo um when when you're succeeding uh with good players you should still be given that respect yeah no I agree final thing it looks like uh we may get the MLS expansion news it's looking like it's going to be San Diego I think a couple uh, I think someone had tweeted that it's going to be San Diego give me give me your thoughts on California getting another MLS club and it being it being 200 miles or 130 miles south of us uh, in San Diego. Absolutely, man. Copa California on its way. Yeah. True. Yeah. I I mean, to me, three teams was no need for that type of, you know, enhanced rivalry but with four teams yeah make it a make it a little bit of a rivalry make it a little bit of a thing between who who can be the best team in california each year because um we know what the parody in mls that will change every single year so i think it should be uh exciting for everybody in california especially obviously those in southern california or san diego i think that um that they're going to bring in some good players i think uh, I would expect maybe a player like a Klaus or an Evander to be their first type signing because there's a large Brazilian population uh, in San Diego and, and you can appeal to that. So I think uh, some good players could be on the way, a good team. And uh, I think a good venue over at Snapdragon, they updated a little bit and yeah, it'll be, it'll be a whole new team, obviously not involved with the loyal at all, uh, completely separate. So I do think maybe they're missing out on a little bit of the um, fo- loyalty from that fan base because the loyal do have a good, loyal fan base ironically there um but uh but yeah i just think it's a good thing for mls to have another team in california and hopefully increase these rivalries yeah four teams san jose two teams in la now it's looking like a team in mls i mean team in san diego that's going to join mls 500 million dollar fee (laughs) to register down there it is insane I like I like San Diego, so I don't I don't mind I wouldn't mind going down there watching a couple games, and look I, lo- I love that MLS is growing and all that. So yeah, I just want to get you a couple thoughts on that. But look, man, Justin, I, I appreciate you always hopping on, brother. Always talking, always uh you know voicing your opinion, give us your insight and everything. And uh yeah, enjoy the game because you're going to the game tomorrow too, right in Monterey. Yeah, I'll be I'll be in Monterey and I'll be in Salt Lake as well. Monterey is so beautiful. If you guys haven't been to Monterey, California. Go out there and check it out. It, it's beautiful. Northern California, uh, even though I'm a Southern California guy, Northern California is really beautiful, really nice. But at the end of the day, like I started this podcast, Lakers in six, Justin. <laughs> Lakers in six. Dubs in seven. <laughs> we'll go. Th- we'll we'll see. We'll see. Y'all, this is recorded, man. This is recorded. Everybody could come back to this when the series is over. Yeah, when the series is over, LA moves on. Look. It's, a, it's been an exciting series between the Lakers and the Warriors. There's another another game today. It was a game four today at, at mm. Crypto.com. So I'm ex, I'm excited, man. So, so many things going on. Um, but what I would love the most is just to, you know, give Stephen Curry, you know, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green their farewell, send them off to Cancun nicely, you know, just with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, you know, 
all that, you know, and put a smile on your face, you know. You know, they could, but they won't. <laughs> With that said, Justin, I appreciate you being on. Everybody tune in and watch, and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.